Good afternoon and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host today, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy back from Salt Lake City for now, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing after All-Star Weekend? I'm doing good. It was a really fun weekend and you're right. I, I got back from Salt Lake City uh, yesterday morning. We're recording on Tuesday morning. And I'm heading back out on Wednesday night because the Thunder resumes its post-All-Star break schedule at the Jazz. Uh, first night of a back-to-back at the Jazz, at the Suns, and then back home for for a good long while. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, I very much enjoy Salt Lake City. Uh, the mountains are snow-capped right now. It is a, uh, it's a beautiful setting and had a really good time at All-Star Weekend for some fun basketball. Awesome. Well, um, first of all, we the big main event of All-Star Weekend is the All-Star Game on Sunday night where Shea Gilgis-Alexander came off the bench as a reserve. Uh, what did you think of the draft process before we get into it? Because of, we'll just go chronologically here. Yeah, I thought the draft was really fun. Um, you, you know, just the, the other reporters in my media section, like, we knew that there was going to be a draft, but like it was kind of light on details as far as like where exactly it would take place or if it would just be like on TV, like in some, you know, back room or something of the arena, but it was on stage where they get introduced. They're all sitting on stools and, um, you know, LeBron and Giannis go back and forth. The The funniest moment was when Giannis tried to pick John Morant as a reserve even even though John Morant was was a starter, um, and I thought LeBron and Giannis had some playful back and forth banter, which made it fun. Like you've got to try to make it an entertainment thing. The only gripe I had was that the draft started about an hour before the game. It seemed like it was supposed to start about thirty minutes before. I I mean I know the network like figured this out and everything. But my main complaint, Shay's main complaint afterward, is that it all just like took a while to to finally get going. Like there were performances in between and all this stuff. So um, I think I don't know what the right timing is, but that 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 was my only complaint. What 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 do you think? It did feel like it took forever. I tweeted out by the time that we get this game started, Bronny James is going to be eligible for the NBA draft. It just LeBron's gonna have to redo his picks. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna get to his final pick, and they're like, "Actually, LeBron, it's uh 2025. We have a new crop of all stars. Half these guys aren't here anymore." <laughs> but it did feel like it just took forever. It was fun though watching those guys go back and forth. I didn't appreciate. Okay, on the TNT broadcast, since you weren't there, you didn't see this, but um, I'm sure you saw it on like the big screen of Ernie Johnson was talking to Giannis, and he had his notebook there. Mm-hmm. Well, they showed on TV an angle of like Giannis's power rankings on his notebook, which felt like a huge oh, spoiler for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did show that in the arena. They showed it on the big screen and everyone was looking around. There was a couple like NBA officials by me just kind of putting their hand on their face like, oh, brother. Yeah. Um, but I was. I, I didn't look, but were like people like taking like a screenshot of that and showing it like, could you tell what the order was? I couldn't whenever it just kind of flashed for me. I had a friend and we were watching it together and he said that he saw some more of it. But yeah, I mm-hmm. think that if you went frame by frame, you could have screenshotted it. I was did not have the patience after waiting <laughs> an hour and through a concert uh, to get these guys out there. But it was fun nonetheless. It was fun. Um, and then the whole thing of Shay getting picked after Giannis tried to pick Ja as a reserve, even though he was a starter, like you mentioned, was hilarious. Uh, but 
it was it was fun. Um, I enjoyed the jersey that Shea got to wear, the the sunset one, which is very on brand for the Thunder. They have, uh, have a sunset jersey. Did you prefer the the blue or the yellow one or anything like that? I, I liked the yellow one with like the kind of red and orange gradient because it matched uh, my favorite jazz current jazz jersey, kind of the the Red Rocks look. So I uh, I enjoyed that. And, and just to go over the draft real quick. So, who had the first pick? Giannis had the first pick. Kind of threw a curveball because everyone thought he was going to take Drew Holiday, his Bucks teammate. Um, he ended up taking Holiday, but later in the draft. So, Lillard goes first to Giannis. LeBron picks Anthony Edwards. Drew Holiday goes third to Giannis. Um, LeBron takes Jalen Brown. And then Shea goes off the board fifth to Giannis after the, after the Morant uh snafu but so basically she goes fifth out of the 14 reserves um i thought he had a chance to go higher but he went ahead of names like paul george demar Derozan, tyrese halliburton siakam i thought it was very fitting how it ended though like if you um the last five guys in particular like if you had to guess before the draft who are going to be the last five I think Julius Randle, Bam, Fox, Sabonis, and Triple J like might have been who you would have guessed, and it and it was those guys. But um, any any thoughts on the draft order? I enjoyed um also in the starters draft of Jokic going like second to last and just volunteering himself onto Team LeBron. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, I'm about to be the back to back to back MVP, so I'm just gonna go ahead and make sure I'm not the last pick." But and that then was marking in the hometown guy was the last pick. Yeah, it, it was fun. I don't know. Like you mentioned, just some of the time that could be cut down. Do we need like a full level movie introduction for each player as they get up on stage and all the players look like they are just like I don't, going out of their way not to smile as they get introduced on this big stage? Other than like one guy will have a giant smile. But Shay, you know, too cool for the moment all the time. Also, I, I want to know who's writing those introductions because they didn't necessarily match the player's yeah. skill set. Like it kind of was like they're they're just doing generic ones. Like I think they should they called Shay like an explosive guard, and I'm not sure that's how I would describe Shay. Um, Giddy had a weird one um, the night before or two nights before for Rising Star. So um, I know we're making a lot of like minor tweaks, but hey, this was the first time they've done it. I think. Overall, it was a success, but I think it, it can be streamlined more next season, and I do hope we'll see it again. Let's get into the actual game part of it, because a lot of people in the Thunder community, Thunder fan base, were kind of uh, taken, I don't know, back or surprised by the fact that Shea didn't even play in the first quarter and only played, like, what, like 10 minutes in the entire game? Yeah, Shea played 10 minutes. It was, I think, the third fewest on Team Giannis. Joe Mazzula. Not a popular guy. Not a popular guy in Oklahoma City right now. Um, not giving Shea uh, more playing time. He was the only member of Team Giannis who didn't play in the first quarter. Also sat out the entire fourth quarter. And um, not counting Giannis, who took himself out of the game after scoring you know, 20 seconds left because he had an injury. Um, only Drew Holiday played fewer minutes. So, I don't know. Part of it might be first-time All-Star thing. We're, we're going to give some of the the bigger names, more shine, which is probably what the people want. I, I'm not I'm not sure if you pulled the twenty thousand or so that were in Vivint Arena, like 
you know, are you upset that you didn't see more Shea Gilgis Alexander or the, you know, the TNT audience? I I don't think that would have been a complaint. Now, if you polled a, an audience with the 405 area code, I think it would have been overwhelming anger uh, among Thunder fans. But I asked Shea about it after the game and he's, he just sort of laughed it off. But, um, you know, Joe Mazzula, obviously, uh, Gave, gave the green light to to his Celtic star, Jason Tatum. I thought the best part of the game was the Tatum-Brown one-on-one. Um, you know, just them going out. It was like we were all just watching a Celtics practice at one point. Um, but yeah, I mean, selfishly from a work standpoint, I wish Shea would have played more just to have more, more content, more scenes and everything like that. Um, but just to get to his on-the-court game... Uh, sort of a welcome to the All-Star game moment. He, he, Shea had a great quote after the game. He was like, LeBron was playing no defense, and then he decides to play defense against me. Um, Shea's first bucket was going to be an easy driving dunk through the lane. LeBron, kind of a patented chase down block. and uh, But then on the on Team Giannis's next possession, Shea gets a sidestep three to go in and um finished with what like nine nine points and seven assists something like that so second most assists in the game uh which is remarkable given his lack of playing time um but yeah that those first couple of moments stood out shay's learning how to play an all-star game setting you want to get everybody else involved you want to feed everybody else and some people tongue-in-cheek were just talking about him uh quote-unquote recruiting the way he was passing to other guys so i thought that was funny anything else that he said in post game that really stood out to you um well, he he came to post game and came into the arena with that full length fur, fur coat, so that was definitely a statement. And just to set the scene a little bit, most every player. So other than like Laurie Markinen, who had a lot of people who wanted to talk to him, LeBron and um, Tatum, the MVP, they were all on like a separate podium in a big press conference room. All of the other guys, they call it the mixed zone, uh, where it's just a big room with a lot of individual tables and chairs set up. And that's where like each guy goes after the game for maybe five minutes or so. Um, so they were in two rounds. Luca was the first at Shea station. Luca had a flight to catch to Mexico and he made that very clear to everyone and was in and out in maybe one minute. And all the other players started filing through, filing through, filing through. They're they're all wearing their game jerseys and, you know, uniforms, sweaty. They haven't showered yet. And we're thinking, man, Shea is definitely showering right now. And he's going to come in here with his fur coat and, and his whole pregame outfit. And he was about one of maybe three players um, who did that. And, uh, of course, he does come strolling in. But what was really good postgame, I thought, just talking about the memories of his first game, talking about that LeBron moment, um, kind of laughing off the when I asked him about, you know, Joe Missoula not being very popular around here. Um, I, I The main thing I asked him about post game because we didn't get him the night before. Um, I did a story on it, just the Thunder jacket that he wore for All Star Saturday night it was really cool. You don't see guys wearing like, team themed gear that's not exactly like the coolest thing to do and shay is mr cool mr gq um but the jacket um if you haven't seen it you can find it online anywhere not 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 to purchase of course um but shay said he's had it for a few years and he was waiting to wear it until he made his first all-star game so 
Um, kind of a cool story behind it. I like to think that everybody in the Thunder locker room just has one of those pre-made and it's break in case of emergency Poku's uh, <clears throat> jacket is back there. But pretty cool stuff from Shea. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guys repping their team in All-Star Weekend. A lot of guys take that as a, um, I don't know, an opportunity to make a statement fashion wise and just wear something insane, which he definitely did, but he also yeah. found a way to incorporate his team. Yeah. I described it almost like validation for the Thunders fan base because it, you know, there, there, there was all, all the talks of like, Oh, is she going to be here? You know, those, those have all died down because of the season that he's adding that, that he's having, but still at the same time, like, fans love to see kind of a show of loyalty or like, you know, a nod of respect. Like I'm going to wrap Oklahoma city. I'm going to wrap the thunder. There were native American patches on the, on the side. So it was, and, and he wore it in, you know, not the biggest setting. I guess the biggest setting would have been all-star Sunday, but a lot of eyes were on him on Saturday night as he's wearing that standing up, watching the slam dunk contest. Um, and, you know, taking photos in it and everything like that. So I thought it was like a, a nice hat, hat tip from Shay to the Thunder fan base. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, any other big takeaways you have from All-Star Weekend, the dunk contest, Rising Stars, All-Star Sunday night, anything else like that that you want to share? Well, I owe an apology to Mr. Mac McClung, don't I? Um, I'm pretty sure I said on this very podcast that uh, Mac McClung had no chance of winning, that he was the one guy who was not going to win because he botched a dunk in the Rising Stars game. And I'm I'm an idiot. Um, it was well-known before, but and it's even more well-known now. But Mac McClung put on a show and uh, won the slam dunk contest, and we'll be back to try to defend his championship in 2024. And I will say right now, a year in advance, that I will be picking Mac McClung as an apology for totally dismissing his chances. Well, it's too bad. The Thunder have already played the 76ers twice, so you won't get a chance to apologize to him in person or on Zoom or anything like that. But Mac was Hey, this guy's, awesome. not, this guy's not going to play for the 76ers. That was the first time anyone has seen him in a 76ers jersey. Um, but yeah, they did sign him to a two-way shortly before. He, he was awesome. I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have like a favorite? Um, I don't know. What, what were some of your favorite dunks? Man, I mean the the seven twenty that he hit at the end, where he was just spinning, yeah. and then um the one that it the dunk contest is always cool because some of them you can't tell how incredible they are until you see it in slow motion. But when he jumped over the two guys and then tapped the ball off the backboard, that was just insane. I'm I didn't pick Mac McClung to win either. I picked Jericho Sims like a complete fool, even though he just spammed the same dunk over and over and over, and then he did the cheesy thing where he pulled out the piece of paper that said 50 on it and everyone's like no not a 50 yeah we, we only need to see your arms in the rim once like that's cool but when you do it twice it kind of downgrades the first time you did it so uh i picked kj martin who was probably had the worst performance uh, of anyone um but yeah, McClung and Trey Murphy were, were the clear winners here as far as putting on a show. I did not know Trey Murphy um, had had that sort of leaping ability and just dunking ability. I thought he was really, really good. There were a few missed dunks in this competition other than like KJ taking a while to get going. And that always makes it 
smoother and like easier to watch when you're not like watching one guy try to attempt the same dunk over and over. Um, and they do put limits on that now. But McClung's, you mentioned that my favorite one was when he tapped the backboard with the ball because that is one that you could not see in real time. And then once they showed the slow-mo, everyone in the arena went nuts. So it's like cool that you can like appreciate these in slow motion when you might not see them live, um, especially if you're not sitting right near the court. So he uh he he can leap, man. He's not very tall either. He walked by me um on his way to the press conference and you know he's probably right around six foot, maybe a little north of there, but um can fly. There's still hope. No, he had the hesitation dunk too. There's no hope. No, I mean, for some people out there, not you or me, but some other six foot guys. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, he had the the double pump on that one dunk. And then um, I wanted to give a shout out to Trey Murphy's dunk, the one where he threw a lob to himself without the ball hitting the ground and then into a windmill, which I've never seen before, which was incredible. But yeah, the dunk contest continues to be like you watch everybody's first dunk and you're like, let's just move these two guys just out of here immediately. We already know. But yeah, Mac McClung made every single dunk on the first attempt. He would have had a 200, 50, 50, 50, and 50. But I think uh, Leslie gave him a 49 on one of those. Yeah, Lisa Leslie um, ruined that for him. That's okay, though. That's okay. Um, Trey Murphy... Did I talk about how much I love Trey Murphy on the last podcast or was that just someone so. else? I love Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy was like the star of All-Star Weekend for me because he was like my favorite guy to talk to at Rising Stars Media Availability. He was also, you know, going around acting like he was a reporter. Then he's he, he's just like he was in the middle of everything. Um during the yeah, during the dunk contest like he totally understood like the showmanship of it and was like asking the judges and the crowd what they wanted to see a tomahawk or a windmill. And then he, you know, did the dunk that was like kind of incorporated both of those moves. And uh yeah, I'm a I'm a big Trey Murphy guy. That's that's what we're all about, Trey Murphy. We need more trays on this team. We have enough uh Jalen's and Williams. We need another tray. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I, I don't like all I don't like all the same name stuff. So, but maybe I maybe I would take a maybe I would sacrifice that for for Trey Murphy. Well, it looks like the Thunder are going to be playing on national TV again, Joe. As it looks like they got shifted onto a national TV game against the Phoenix Suns upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just wanted to ask you, what do you think this means for this team um, and maybe the guys on the team since they? Now we're getting a lot more national recognition, their third national TV game this season after not having one since 2020. I understand the Lakers one was more about LeBron than the Thunder, but it's still something cool to see. Yeah, and this one might be more about, listen, we don't know if Kevin Durant is going to play on Friday. That That's his, you know, would be his first game with the Suns. That's Phoenix's first game after the break. So they have like one more day off than the Thunder coming back. He, you know, spoke at media day obviously didn't play in the game so we'll see about that i i think it's wise of the network to really get out in front of that and like have the suns on just in case he does play um but also it does come against the thunder which is not like playing the hornets or you know some like even like the pacers have been better than advertised 
you'd rather see the Thunder than the Pacers or the Rockets who are a complete mess or the Pistons who are awful. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a win win either way for the players. I think it means less and less the more it happens, and that's only natural. Like it's not like we were asking them, you know, before those first two games, what's it like to play on national TV? Because these are all young guys who haven't done that before. As it becomes more of the standard, like very little changes on their part, like more changes for Mark Degnall. Probably he meets with meets with the broadcast crew before the game, does the in between quarter interviews, stuff like that. But for the players, other than seeing those guys. Uh, on set, set court side, not much changes for them. And I, I think that they just know this is a natural thing that they're going to have to get used to um, as they become a better team. I actually think it's cooler for the fans probably um, just to like a point of pride, like, Hey, we're on national TV. Um, you know, Oklahomans always seem to, to carry a underdog type mentality just or not. Um and this is a way of saying, like, yeah, people are paying attention. I even feel slighted by that comment, Joe. I mean, sometimes I, I only say it, Michael, because I, I'm a, I'm an Oklahoman. Yeah, uh, but no, it's I like, know what you're saying. It's like we 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 always uh, act like the little guy and, and carry that chip, even when it's like, you know, is is this really how it is? But um, like, you know, the Thunder was great for a decade and on national TV all the time. And we all know why they weren't on national TV the last two seasons. Um, but it's about to pick up again. Conspiracy. That's why. That's why they weren't on national Cons- TV now. Conspiracy. It, Conspiracy. But it is it is crazy to think how many times they were on national TV just every other day to the shift now. And it does make you grateful for those times. And now looking uh, towards the future, being very excited about all the national TV games that are hopefully here to come. Do you think they get any more national TV games the rest of the season? I do. And I have my guesses. Ooh, would you like to hear them? I'd love to. Got to flip to my notes. Um, so they play the Suns four times. They, and one of them is already on national TV as we've, we've talked about on Friday. Um, so I, I think, so after Friday, they play the Suns, Three more times. I think that if, you know, Durant doesn't play Friday or does play Friday, the Suns are going to be one of the most fascinating teams to watch down the stretch as they try to fit these new pieces together. And obviously, um, maybe the Western Conference favorites at this point. So playing them three more times, even after Friday, I think one or two of those would have a chance to be on. Um, They play uh, not a back to back, but like a baseball series at the Clippers later in the year. It's a Tuesday, Thursday, and those are obviously TNT's dates. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of those games got picked up. Um, and then they play at the Warriors on April 4th, which is also a Tuesday later in the year. I, I mentioned the Clippers thing because, I mean, the Clippers are almost as fascinating as the Suns because people think at full strength. They might be the best team in the West, but they're never at full strength. You never know who's going to play, which is a reason why maybe the TNT or ESPN or ABC wouldn't want to pick up that game because you just don't know who you're going to see on any given night. Um, but obviously playoff implications and all of those matchups I just talked about with the Suns, with the Clippers, with the Warriors, and with with the Thunder. So, um, yeah, those were just a few I picked out. 
Yeah, I like the Clippers ones and then, then uh, the Golden State one as well, because we're going to be right in the thick of it, just like in the last week or so of the season with playoff implications and seeding implications for the plan as well. So I think that when you have a team up and coming like the Thunder and then you have a team who's had the attention like the Warriors of the last decade or the defending champs, I think that's going to be something that um, definitely people would want to watch that might get shifted to national TV. Yeah, and the Clippers one always comes with the storyline of like PG, SGA. It, it's like, even as we get more removed from that, it almost is getting talked about more as Shea has risen to this level. And you're like, well, I bet the Clippers wish they could have just kept Shea. Um, so it's like, like, I mean, that's something kind of we've been talking about here. Um, I've talked about this before, but like, the Clippers almost had to do that deal. And like for them to do that deal, Shea had to be included. So um, it made sense for both sides back then. In hindsight, does it look as good? Of course not. Um, but like that's that that can still be like a national narrative and stuff like that, which I think is a reason why like those Clippers games have a chance to be on national TV. And I think the Clippers, if they had a do-over, they do the same thing. I think they'd take the chance again, and you just hope that the health things go better. But when you have a chance to put Paul George and Kawhi in the thick of their prime together in L.A., and you're denying Kawhi, uh, Kawhi probably going to the Lakers, I think that's something they need to do, even with Shea's rise. You know, there's no guarantee that he's in the same environment with the Clippers and they surround him with a bunch of talent like they are with the Thunder. It looks like going forward, the Clippers are a decent team, but I don't know. To me, maybe you disagree with me. I think that they would do it again if they had the chance. Yeah, I, I mean, the deal was as much to get. I, it was a package deal. We we knew that back then. Um, that it was not only trading for Paul George, but to also um, get Kawhi Leonard to to sign off. And I'm with you. Like they would, they would probably do it again. You know, just just knowing if they knew back then that hey. Entering the 2023 playoffs, like Kawhi is back to playing almost at peak Kawhi. Now we don't see it all the time. Um, and when those two guys are on the floor to get floor together, they've been outstanding. And if they could enter this year's playoffs with all of those pieces in place, that is a big if. But that certainly raises their championship ceiling um, versus what it would have been if they didn't make the trade. So you say, okay, they still have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Say he even becomes this player. Well, that means you don't have Paul George. And it also probably means you don't have Kawhi Leonard. So like, where does that make you a good team, but it doesn't make you a championship contender. Um, now their championship contention all hinges on health. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. It was like, I get why Thunder fans kind of like laugh at the Clippers, but and Thunder fans got the best case scenario out of it. But like the Clippers had to do this, and I still don't think they're ready to like admit defeat on the idea. And it's not the biggest thing, but they made their first ever conference finals in team history off the back yeah. of this, even with Kawhi injured. But that's not the biggest point. And then it's the last hard to thing... finish top four in the NBA, yeah. and they did that. And then the last thing to hit on this, um, obviously, we'll get Russell Westbrook on the Clippers, too. Joe, this will be the first time in Ooh. Russ's career that he will not play a game in Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, man, it um, 
I guess it's kind of symbolic of, of where Russ is right now that I did not even mention that when I mentioned the Clippers, but that's probably a, a huge point as well, as far as like making that intriguing, just Russ in a, another uniform um, playing against the Thunder. So I guess it'll be his fourth, fourth team that he's played against the Thunder on. I think that's right. Yeah. The, the Rockets, yeah, Wiz- Wiz- the Wizards, Rockets, Lakers, Clippers. Yep, didn't suit up for the Jazz, even though they have a few more games with them. They haven't played the Jazz this season. No, four games against the Jazz coming up. They The Thunder has 25 games left. Eight of them are against two teams, four against the Suns, four against the Jazz. Oh, it's time. Well, <clears throat> as we gear up for the playoffs, as you mentioned, there are 25 games left. I wanted to play some good cop, bad cop with you of five reasons why the Thunder will or won't make the playoffs I let you decide uh, Decide, and you picked the con side of it. This is not our actual opinions. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but just more of just this side of the, of the discussion of reasons why it will or won't work, probably. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm more pessimistic by nature, so I, I feel, uh, feel comfortable taking the bad cop role in the reasons that the Thunder will not make the postseason so postseason worst thing playing slash playoffs right yes okay um and as michael said i just i just want to repeat you laid it out very well but i'm just repeating this is not actually how we feel it might be how we feel but this is a thought exercise um okay am i uh who's going first here michael you can go first if we can go back and forth you can do all five up to you we'll go back and forth my number one reason the Thunder will not make the postseason. Shea Gilgis Alexander is about to enter territory that he has not been in since his first season with the Thunder 2019 and 2020 when he played 70 games. Shea is at 53 games this year. He played 56 all of last year, 35 uh, the year before that, and, and then 70 um, in his first season with the Thunder. And I mentioned this just because he did have injuries to varying degrees of severity um, at the end of the last two seasons and just hasn't played this kind of workload. And it's not just um, going to be a career high in in minutes, but it's carrying a load that he hasn't had to carry before. Like when he played 70 games with the Thunder in that first season, um, it could have been more, by the way, because that that season they only played 72 regular season games because of the seeding games in the bubble. But, you know, he was the third option most of the times. Um, but now he's like leading a team, just getting beat up night to night, driving right into the teeth of the defense. I'm not saying he's going to miss it any time. I would not wish that on anyone. Um but there has been injuries in the past and we just haven't kind of seen him do this over the course of a full season. And if Shea sits, the Thunder obviously is not the same team. Um, so if he, he, if he misses, you know, two, three, four games down the road, um, I think the Thunder could go one and three or one and four in those games. So um, just kind of the uncertainty of not, not seeing Shea at this level for this long. It's no secret. I mean, he's the most important player on this team. And I think I saw a stat over the summer that in the 2020-2021 season and then 21-22, so not this year, but the two years before, I think Kyrie played more games than Shea over that two-year stretch. So it's not a crazy thing with these um, level of injuries that he's had. 
obviously knock on wood, not hoping for any injuries, but the more you're out there playing and the more games you play, there's a higher likelihood that you might get injured. So I, I don't think that's insane. I'll go on my side of why I think they will make the postseason 25 games remaining. I'll just take their remaining strength of schedule. Like you mentioned, they have four against the jazz. They have the fifth easiest remaining schedule in the entire NBA. Um, and they still have games against teams like the Spurs, the Pistons, I think they have a home game against the Hornets. Yes, the Pacers. They play the Lakers two more times and the Raptors. That's not to mention that, you know, they do have four games against the Suns, two against the Clippers, two against the Kings, among others. But I, I like the strength of schedule side of things for the Thunder as a young team coming up where at least they're not going down into the stretch getting just hammered with just elite team after elite team. They've kind of handled their business earlier this season. That's a great one. If I was taking the pro side of this, that definitely would have been on my list. However, I am the bad cop in this situation. So I am going on to number two. And this is just more anecdotal, not back to numbers. But I I think we're just going to see a continued focus on development. And that doesn't mean that won't come with wins. Like I think this whole season, the Thunder hasn't shied away from development. They've They've still played, you know, Lindy Waters is still going to get in in the first quarter. Eugenio Maru is going to play Jay will like we, we've seen him get better because he's been on the floor. It's not like Mark Dingle's playing his eight best guys every night and, you know, playing a rotation like he would in the playoffs or, you know, we kind of saw a glimpse of it in that Lakers game against LeBron where they kind of didn't play some of the young guys. Um, but I think they're still going to play those guys and, those guys are inexperienced, guys like Usman Jang, Trey Mann, Jay Will, Poku if he returns. I think they want to want to share minutes and still see. Um, I know people don't like the phrase roster exploration anymore, but they're still going to to do that because right now the roster is as deep as it's been at any point in this rebuild. And you want to see who is going to stick, who is going to be a long-term piece. And this might be their last year to really play around with that and kind of have the wiggle room to do um, that exploration. So I just think, you know, if they played their best rotations every night, they're obviously going to be better than if they, you know, see what the two-way guys can do. So, um, you know, the Mascala trade kind of kind of shows that, like, Maybe Mike Muscala will cost them a win or two. Probably not, though. Um, but that just is like symbolic of, okay, you know, Mike Muscala, vet who is playing well, is not going to fill those minutes. We're going to get some other uh, younger guys in here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that, I mean, I'm just thinking of the fact earlier this season where it felt like Mark was playing like 14 guys in the first quarter and how we've yeah. gotten this. But, I mean, he's going to play a deep rotation. And there's only maybe a core of four or five guys who feel like they're definitely along for the ride in the future. The rest of those spots are up for grabs. So I think it's the best decision Mark could make is to try those guys out and give them an opportunity because there's no way you can show that you're that much better, that much improved. You're sitting on the bench. Yeah. And this is synergy between Mark and the front office. Like the, you, you cannot separate those two things. Like, Mark does want to get a look at the guys, but like more importantly, Sam in the front office needs to get a look at the guys and what they can do in real NBA action to see if they're going to be on the team moving forward. 
I'll uh, zag on what you said with the injury thing with Shea. I went the other way and said the youth movement versus father time of you just look at these other teams around the Thunder, the play-in mix. They're just much older teams who I think are a higher risk of injury. You have teams like Portland, the Lakers, Golden State, and others who are just more of an injury risk than the Thunder who are a younger team, who I think that they've hit their stride this season and knock on wood, not hoping for any injuries, hope that doesn't happen. But I think that just the risk of some of those guys is a little bit higher than you would get with a Thunder team, who's the second youngest team in NBA history. Well, Michael, I will zig back to your zag. And uh, my third reason is that they're the youngest team in the NBA and have not been here before. So how about this? We're just, we're just throwing haymakers back and forth. Um, you bring up a good point, but I'll also just you know, mention the age does not always equal success in the NBA. We've seen young teams struggle over and over, and it's almost like you've got to have been in this situation before, before you can take that next step. And this team hasn't, hasn't been in this situation. I mean, yes, Shea has played in a playoff series. Lou Dort has played in a playoff series. If you want to count Dario Saric, but like no one else on the, on the core of the team has been in this situation before. They're still very, very young and maybe that catches up to them at some point. Yeah, I can't really argue with that other than I'll just say, you know, recent trends or is what my, um, I don't know, point would be right back to you is that recently the Thunder have been really good in 2023 since January 1st. They've had one of the top uh, ranked offenses in the NBA, one of the top ranked defenses. Shea has really broken out. Giddy's played some great basketball. J-Dub as well. And the biggest number is they are 13 and eight overall since the change of the new year. So they're hitting their stride at the right time is what I would say is a major reason why I might believe they have a really good chance to make it in the postseason this year. All right. My fourth point. Um, I'll go quickly here because I, I don't have the numbers to back it up. I'm just asking, is the three point shooting sustainable? This was, um, the 29th and 30th ranked team in three-point shooting each of the last two seasons. And I, I've said this before, but if you would have told me before the year, the Thunder will rank 20th in three-point percentage. I would have said, no way, no chance. And if they do, what a development. But they're not 20th, Michael. They're 11th. They're 11th in the NBA in three-point percentage. They're a top-half shooting team from deep. Um, Isaiah Joe... Huge, huge reason behind that, but there's more. There's more to it. They're just shooting better um, across the board, and they're doing it on a on a fairly high volume of attempts. Not crazy, um, but around league average. And um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that I, I can't even argue against like their shot quality. I think they get a lot of good looks. Um, I just think that uh, maybe that 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 will run out because my mind still cannot absorb the fact that they've been this good at three-point shooting i don't blame you and you just look at the other teams around them in the playoff uh, play-in mix where if they do get into a play-in game i don't think you trust your three-point shooting more than utah portland or golden state and some of these teams out there and the thunder have lost the math game a lot of times this season so it's not crazy or far-fetched to think that that is something that could bite them again and it is crazy, this surge of shooting that we've seen from guys from Jay Will uh, improving, J-Dub improving, Josh has kind of gone up and down, Shea has been Shea, 
just not really taking a lot, but a lot of it's been on Isaiah Joe. So it only takes a hot streak or a cold streak from some of those guys here and there to really flip a uh, part of the season. As we saw earlier this year, where they went on that big run where they won on the road in like Philadelphia and a bunch of other teams where they were really shooting well. And then they came back to earth a little bit. So that should be interesting. I'll move on to my fourth one, which is that Shea is one of the best players of the group of the play in mix. I think other than Dame, I think you could argue that he's the best player in that mix from seven to maybe down. Maybe you like Zion or Brandon Ingram more than him. Maybe you like Anthony Edwards. I think Steph is kind of indisputable. Utah doesn't have anyone. Portland, Dame, give or take. I think more people would pick Shea at this point than um, Father Time LeBron versus Shea. But I think that in the NBA where one guy can change your destiny so much, having the best player on the floor and a guy like Shea who's competed toe-to-toe with many stars around the league this season is um, definitely a feather in your cap that helps you. I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, well said. So should we move on to our to our fifth and final reasons? Yes, sir. I'm excited to hear yours. Well, I kind of cheated a little bit because this is not much of a reason that they won't make the postseason. It's maybe a reason why they shouldn't make the postseason, and I don't wholeheartedly believe it. So with those caveats aside, um, I will say that making the lottery is still valuable and it still gives you a chance. I mean, you look right now in the reverse standings, the Thunder are 13th would currently be in the lottery. So as they stand right now, not even not even good chances, but chances. Um, 4.8% at a top four pick, a 1% chance at Victor Wimbanyama. Why not have a 1% chance at... Um, the best prospect since LeBron James. That doesn't sound all too bad. Um, if they finish 12th in the re- re- reverse standings, so one spot up from there, you get a whopping 1.5% chance at Wimbanyama and a, a 7.1% chance at the top four pick. So, you know, crazy things can happen. Just being in the lottery and uh, having a ping pong ball in the hopper. Um, so, you know, why not? Why not, Michael? Why not Russell Westbrook theme pod here? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, just give yourself a chance to see what happens. Even if it's 1% for Victor women, Yama, I take a 1% chance at that. And I think a lot of other teams, the Lakers would definitely do that, even though they don't even own their picks since it goes to the Lakers, <laughs> but interesting nonetheless. And then my last point of why I think the thunder have a great chance to make the postseason or will make the postseason is just the process of elimination. You just look at the other teams at the bottom of the play-in race or, you know, from the 7 to 12 mix. Just who do you trust? New Orleans has had the Thunder's number, but overall, the other teams they play, they've been very inconsistent, especially with Zion out for an even longer stretch of time where they kind of had a free fall as soon as he came out of the lineup. Minnesota. Do you trust Minnesota as they bring back Carl Anthony Towns? It feels like they finally hit their stride. Now they're just going to add this giant piece back into the mix. Golden State, can they survive without Steph for a prolonged amount of time? He is their entire engine, their system. Utah feels like they're sort of fading. Portland has been very, very up and down this season. And then you have the dumpster fire that is the Lakers, who I don't think this one trade really fixes all that much where it just catapults them. I think they're still going to have their struggles and it's going to be an uphill battle. But just out of those teams, I don't know, not that I'm saying I trust the Thunder very, very much, but those other teams, I definitely have my my concerns and doubts. I am becoming increasingly confident that the Thunder is going to make the plan. Um, 
which just a reminder that those five reasons I laid out, that was, that was not actually me. That was, uh, the, uh, the role I was playing on this podcast, but you, you said it great. Like the Thunder are 10th right now in the West, that last play in spot. I'm not, I'm not going to count the top six right now because those all seem like ironclad teams to, to make the postseason in some way, shape or form, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, the Clippers, Phoenix, and Dallas. So you go seven through 10, the Pelicans just got bad news about Zion. Who knows what that's going to look like. They've turned it around a little, um, Ingram has also missed a, a, a lot of time. I would not be surprised if the Thunder, who is only a game back of the Pelicans right now, finishes ahead of the Pelicans. Then you go Minnesota. I would not at all be surprised if the Thunder finished ahead of Minnesota. The Thunder has a plus 1.7 point differential. Minnesota, despite being a game over 500, has a minus point differential. So the Thunder really has been better than the Timberwolves this season. And then you have Golden State. I think Golden State's going to finish ahead of the Thunder. Okay, so there's two teams ahead of the Thunder right now in the Pelicans and Timberwolves that I think the Thunder could or should finish ahead of. And then you look at the teams behind Utah. I don't think they're going to leave the Thunder. Portland, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're in the mix. Lakers... I don't think there's a chance. I, I just don't see that, especially with the LeBron stuff. So, I mean, that I, I went through all that to say, Michael, that there's two teams that I think they could pass, and there's only one team behind them that I think could catch them. Um, I just don't think the Jazz, they, they've fallen off, and I don't think they're going to be motivated from a front office standpoint to make it. Portland is going to be m- motivated. They're desperate. Damian Lillard, is playing as good as he has at any point in his career. Um, so yeah, if you want to say, you know, Portland's going to pass the Thunder, well, my counter would be the Thunder might pass Minnesota and New Orleans. So if there's two teams they could pass and one team that could catch them, I think that's better than not that they make the play-in. We'll just see how all of this plays out. I know the Thunder are playing pretty soon here, and you will be back in Salt Lake City. Do you have anything else to plug before we get out of here, Joe? Um... Well, if you missed any of our 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 all star coverage, tough for uh, me to talk these days. If you missed any of that, go and and check it out. Oklahoma.com um, had recaps of of all of the games. Shea's all star debut. Most recent story was on the the jacket that Shea wore on All Star Saturday night. We've talked a lot about the schedule that's that's coming up. Um, I'm going to do kind of a unofficial second half because it's not really the second half but primer of what that schedule looks like you, you talked about the favorable strength of schedule and um, all these games coming up against Utah and Phoenix and I will be back out on the road um, for the Thursday game at Utah for the Friday game at Phoenix um, I just I just can't resist Salt Lake City in in February um, so yeah that's that's about it a lot of people are going to Miami and things like that for spring break. Not Joe Masato. He's not me. Nose of the grindstone. Yep, going to Salt Lake City. I will. Uh, I'm saying no to the beaches. I'm saying yes to the streets of Salt Lake. Maybe yeah, the only the, person the who's ever said that. Yeah, I'm from. Yeah, the I'm meet. not even. I'm not even like going to the mountains. I'm not even going skiing or hiking or anything. I I would love to. I've actually never skied before, but I'd love to go hiking. But there's just not 
really time, especially on the first night of a, of a back-to-back. So, yeah, the uh, tell you what, though, the nightlife in Salt Lake is hard to resist. The mean streets of Salt Lake City. But uh, thank you so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies. Make sure to like, subscribe, uh, leave five-star reviews on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at ThunderBudPod for more news and updates about this podcast. And thank you again so much to Joe for joining me. And thank you to you for listening. And we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>